Church, it's good to see you, good to be with you. Thank you for allowing us into your home today. We're going to transition into the Word of God. Who's ready for the Word today? Let me hear you, church. You ready for the Word? Praise God. Ready for the Word. Well, listen, we're in for a treat today. One of our outside elders, Pastor Fred Bennett, is here with us today. He's been my pastor for nearly 30 years. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. But I appreciate the leadership, appreciate friendship. I also appreciate the pattern of life that they've created. In that pattern, you'll see things like integrity. You'll see things like character. You'll see things like compassion. You'll see things like encouragement. You'll see things like love. You'll see things like truth. And all of these last 30 years, that's what I've seen. That is what has helped me and what will continue to help me. And we are privileged to be able to have them with us today. Uh, he's Pastor Emeritus of Renewal Church, formerly known as Christ the Rock Christ Church Christ. in Memphis, Tennessee. So would you help me welcome, let me hear you all the way from your home today, <laughs> welcome Pastor Fred Bennett. Amen, amen. Thank you, Jeremy. God bless you. Well, it's wonderful to be with you this morning, New Life Church, here in Jackson, Tennessee, or close to it. Yeah, indeed. Madison County, everyone that's been watching over these uh, last 11 weeks, wow, how much we appreciate you viewing, becoming a part in your spirit of what God's doing in the midst of this great church and right here at the beginning of my wife Val is here with me this morning. We want to encourage you that as you have watched and you have been blessed, you will experience even more of that blessing if you will come and make a visit. Come and experience what it's like to be a part of New Life Church. Uh, Jeremy and Haley Smith are two of the most precious people in the world. They are greatly anointed of the Lord, and what they've established here at New Life Church is something that will enrich your life. It will bring to fruition some things that have been dormant in you. It will enable you to get a new perspective on what God has for you, His plan and purpose for your life. We just highly recommend this church and always count it a privilege to be able to come here. The message that the Lord has put on my heart this day is really a cry. Oh Lord, restore. Oh Lord, restore. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says this, Let us now with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, God's great mercy helps us in time of need. And certainly, that is the kind of period that we are in right now. As a nation, really as a world, there is tremendous need in the earth today. His mercy helps us when we're allowed to do nothing more than shelter in place, when we're locked down. In the span of the last two to three months, our lives have been radically changed. 
radically changed and reordered. Much of America and the world has been infected with this invisible COVID-19 virus. We've been shut up in our homes. The things that were so much a part of our daily lives were just taken from us in the blink of an eye. Suddenly, everything seemed to grind to a halt. We saw eerie videos of empty streets in some of the great cities of our land. It looked like a scene from an apocalyptic end-of-the-world movie. And now these same streets, just as quickly have been filled again, but now we see them filled with rioters, protesters, police, and National Guard troops. Friends, I believe it begs a question here. It begs this question, is this a defining moment for our generation in the earth today? My grandparents, their defining moment was the Great Depression. It was why they were the way they were. It's why they had some of the attitudes and practices. They were extremely frugal people. My parents were defined by World War II. My wife and I, Val and I, were defined by Vietnam and the assassinations of Martin Luther King, President Kennedy, and presidential candidate Bobby Kennedy. And then, of course, all the space missions I guess in some way, with everything that was going on on the earth, space looked really attractive. Maybe we could just get out of here and take a ride on one of these spaceships. Oh, my goodness. In these massively disruptive times like we're going through today, is the Lord, by His great mercies, giving us an opportunity, an opportunity to reset our relationship with Him? to reset our family priorities, to reset our community and national priorities. Friends, our living hope is that God, who causes all things to work together for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purposes, to move on our behalf even now. I mean, think about it. Who would have ever imagined that the government for whatever reason, would order churches to close their doors and then decree that the governors of the various states would decide when those doors could be opened again. And all of this in the name of doing science and public health. Now it seems that some governors are reluctant to let go. They're still determined to keep their states locked down, maybe even indefinitely. Churches have gone onto the internet in order to stay connected, not only with their congregations, but with their communities. And that's why I said what I did at the beginning. What a joy it has been. Uh, we're, we're seeing more views from people in communities around churches than were ever in the churches in the first place. We count that as a blessing from God. But I think we have to ask a question. How long will it be before our corporate rulers, the overlords of social media, decide that it's unhealthy to let us be on their media platforms? Just this week, Twitter began to do some pretty serious censoring. Who knows? Maybe that's what lies ahead for preachers and churches. 
I believe that in these troubled times, these perilous times as the Bible calls it, it is time for the church to come forth, to come forth in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, to come out of our hiding places, to come out of our place of lockdown, to come out of our caves, if you will. Let let me share just a little bit here from Revelation chapter 3, where it talks about the faithful church. The faithful church. Verse 7, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write these things, says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. I see I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, you've kept my word, and you've not denied my name. That's a faithful church right there. Indeed, I will make those who are not of you to come and worship before you. And to know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to persevere. See, that's a faithful church. That's the kind of church you need to be looking for, a faithful church. And I know that many people are looking at all kinds of churches now on the Internet. Look for those churches that persevere, those churches that keep the name of the Lord, those churches that hold faithfully to the Word of God, those churches in where you find the power of God, that in His presence, in His presence, there is truly fullness of joy. He goes on to say in verse 11, behold, I am coming quickly, quickly, hold fast, what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I'll write on him my name, the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from God. I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Friends, it is time for the church, the people of God, to come out of their caves, out of our hiding places, and to be sown into this world as his living, imperishable seed, as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. I believe this pandemic has been a wake-up and a come-out call to the church during this present evil time in the blink of an eye when everything that people have placed their faith in has been taken away. But you know, this isn't an unusual time. Historically, there have been many times like this one. Consider the account in the book of Genesis right at the beginning of the Bible. There in Genesis 19, the story of Lot and his family who were living in the area of Sodom and Gomorrah says it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that would be Sodom and Gomorrah, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. And Lot went up into the mountains, and his two daughters were with him, for they were afraid to dwell there in Zoar. Now, Lot had gone 
to his daughter's husbands, but they thought Lot was crazy. They thought he'd lost his mind or he was joking, and they paid him no heed. Lot was only with his two daughters because on the journey out, his wife looked back. His wife looked back, and she was lost. Friends, we don't need to be looking back to what was. Don't, don't think that the new normal is going to be what the old normal was. We've been changed by this. The world in which we minister has been changed. I, I believe this is going to call for us to rise up in even greater faith than before if we're going to be the faithful church able to minister to others. Let's not look back longing for what was let's look forward for the new thing eye has not seen ear has not heard and neither has entered into the heart of man all the things that God has prepared for them who love him for those of us who love the Lord especially here at New Life Church this morning we want you to know we're looking forward we're not trying to drive down a road looking through our rearview mirror we're looking forward not just at the church that was, but in the church that is to be. Don't see the church building as just another cave in which to take refuge. You know, just as in the days that were leading up to Pentecost, the first Pentecost, they were seeing Jesus in a new way. He had resurrected from the dead. He was in a new body, and his resurrected body was really amazing. He'd walked out of a cave of death, a tomb, into a room where they had gathered together. He didn't need a door. He just walked through the walls. <laughs> he, allowed the, he allowed the doubting to touch him. He ate and drank with them to show, him that, show them that he was more than just a mirage or a dream that they were having. The disciples were there. They needed to be there in that upper room until they were empowered by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Friends, getting back into the church building is a desirable thing. It's a desirable thing. Most of us, the words I keep hearing in the various churches Valerie and I have gone to is, oh, we just can't wait to get back together, to be with our friends, to be with our, our, our fellow believers, to have fellowship with one another. We're missing that, but we're right now on the threshold of entering in that afresh. Why is it important to come to the church? Because it's where we minister to the Lord and we minister to one another. But we should not see that as the end. It's the means to an end. It's not the return to what we knew as normalcy. There is a new thing on the horizon. And we need to prepare our hearts and our minds for it. You know, in the upper room, Jesus was appearing to them. He was loving on them. He was comforting them. He was ministering to them. But he wasn't going to be with them like he had been with them before in the previous three years of his earthly ministry. In fact, he was preparing them for something new. He was going to ascend into heaven to the right hand of the Father God Almighty. The Father who always keeps his promise and his promise was to send the Holy Spirit. 
He was going to launch them into the world, first into the streets of Jerusalem, then into Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. Friends, something was shifting. Something was, can you sense it? Something is changing. And it can be frightening, like some of the scenes that we're seeing in cities today. Some of the things that are going on. But we are not the people who are controlled by fear. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound, disciplined mind. A line was drawn at the cross, and things are going to be different. Families would be divided, much like Lot's family. His family was divided because of doubt and unbelief. Jesus said in Matthew, a man's enemies would even become the members of his own household. You know, I've always found that to be a a really challenging scripture. In fact, I think Matthew chapter 10 is one of the most challenging chapters in the Bible. But it's worth meditating on if we're going to be a part of God's faithful church. It speaks of a great division as people must choose, choose to be one in Christ or to divide along all the various stress lines that would separate us, divide us, cause us to be suspicious and hateful toward one another. We cannot succumb to that. We're to be one in Christ. We're not to be divided along cultural lines or political lines or socioeconomic lines or racial divides or generational lines. That's not what God is doing in the earth today. In fact, that's trying to destroy what God is doing in the earth today. The good news is he's given us the remedy. He has anointed us with his spirit the spirit of the lord is upon us and he has anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor to proclaim healing to the brokenhearted deliverance to all those who are oppressed do you know any oppressed people i meet people every day they're oppressed they're depressed they're under all kinds of pressure I was listening to something on television the other night, and they were talking about how suicide rates are skyrocketing, even amongst children, because children are so confused and befuddled and depressed. They're separated from their friends. They can't be at school with their friends and the people that they know, and they don't know what to do with themselves. This is a perilous time. And dear friends, we need to rise up. As the church of Jesus Christ, not just being sympathetic, but being compassionate, being filled with the anointing of God, declaring that this is the year of the favor of the Lord. You know, Jesus mentions here in Matthew 10, Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. What city? Any city that will not receive you and God's word in your mouth. That's what he was telling his disciples. That was what was about to become to pass. He said, I send you out as sheep in the midst of 
of wolves, therefore be as wise as serpents and yet as harmless as doves. He goes on in verse 19 to say, For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. You may be thinking, well, I don't know how to deal with all this. I don't know what to say. I, I don't have any answers for all the things that are, are troubling our nature, our, our, our nation, our culture, our communities, uh, th these terrible divides and our, all the misunderstanding that's out there. But I've learned something, that when you're moved by the love of God, you're anointed with the Holy Spirit, if you will open your mouth in faith God will fill it, for it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Praise God. And then down in verse 38, it says, And he who does not take his cross and follow me after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, after leaving Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. Now the firstborn said to the younger in verse Genesis 19, verse 31, Our father is old and there is no man on the earth to come into us as is the custom of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine and we will lie with him that we may preserve the lineage of our father. Now why would they do that? Because from inside the cave, their view of the world, their perception, was they were the only ones left. Nobody else was there. It was just the three of them. I call this the cave distortion. And when we've been shut up in one place for too long, when we've not been able to get out and see what's going on, when we've not been able to fellowship together, worship in the Spirit together, when we're looking at way too much 24-hour news, it's going to skew our perception of what the world is really about. Let's not forget, this is our Father's world. We are here as ambassadors for Christ. We have a message of hope in a time where many people feel hopeless. We have a message of healing at a time when many people are hurting. They don't know where to turn. So many things that filled their lives, they're all empty now. They're all empty now. They can't use them. They can't rely upon them. The cave can be a place of refuge in the face of judgment. And that's what it's felt like for many of us. We've been living in a cave, our cave. But the cave can also be a place of refuge in the face of fear. You know, like Elijah, fleeing from Jezebel's threats to kill him. But the few from the cave can, can pervert and distort your perception of reality. From the cave, it looked like Lot and his two daughters were the only people left in the world. From the cave, Elijah thought he was the only prophet of God left in the land, and his life and ministry were finished. You know, I've often said tongue-in-cheek that if Elijah wanted to go someplace to die, he should have just stayed where he was because Jezebel would have taken care of that for him. But 
that there was something else, there was something else going on in him. And I believe there's something powerful going on in the people of God. I believe there is a new stirring of the gifts of God in our life. I believe that as we come out of our cave and we, we get out of that cave distortion and we begin to see what God is doing, I want to see what God's doing. I can see what man is doing. I can hear what man is thinking about it. I can hear what man is saying we ought to be doing about it. But I want to hear what God says. I want to see what God is doing in the earth today and join myself to that and be a part of it. In 1 Kings 19, it says that Elijah went to the mountain of God, and there he went into a cave, and he spent the night in that place, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? I believe the word of the Lord comes to all of us from time to time. What are you doing here in this place of depression and despair? What are you doing here where you're so frustrated? What are you doing here where you're so stressed out you don't know what to do with you? You can't stand yourself and nobody can stand to be with you. What are you doing? How did you get in this place? And Elijah responded, well, Lord, I've been very zealous for you. You know, the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant and torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword, and I'm the only one left, and they're seeking to take my life. You see, Elijah, like many of us today, was overwhelmed by all the evil that was in the world, all the evil forces that were arrayed against him. So God showed him something. He said, I'll show you. I'll show you overwhelming. I'll show you awesome. And God showed what he could do. He told him to stand on the mountain. And behold, the Lord passed by, just passed by. And a great wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in in the fire, and after the fire, see, this is what we need to get to. After we get, get through all this stuff, we need to get to that place where we can hear the voice of God. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And God asked him again, Elijah, what are you doing here? And then the Lord said to him, Go, return to the, through the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, I've got two kings I want you to anoint. And then I want you to go and to anoint your successor. And oh, by the way, just so you'll know, he says in verse 18, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. Friends, do not despair. There are more who are for us than those who are against us. We need to believe that. The Lord's not restrained to save by many or by few. We're, we're all God's people are not on television. They're not making the news. Most of what's being highlighted on there and even on the web isn't necessarily of God. But praise the Lord. The Lord is with us. 
the Lord is with us, and by his strength and power, we can be world changers in this day. Thank you, Lord. You remember Gideon? He was kind of the same way. He was in a hiding place, wasn't he? It wasn't a cave, it was a wine press, but it was like that. He wasn't, he wasn't pressing grapes for wine. He was just trying to thresh out a little, little grain so that his family could have bread to eat. But he was in hiding, and God had to come to him and speak to him. He called him, he said, mighty man of God. Well, Gideon looked like anything but a mighty man of God. Stop looking in that mirror in your bathroom or your bedroom. Look in the mirror of God's Word. Let God's Word inform who you are, who is in you, who empowers you, who animates your life, who is the passion in your life, and it is the Lord God Almighty. A cave can also be a trap. You know, it wasn't so long ago. You remember that incident over in Thailand where those boys went into a cave? And it was during the monsoon season. I, I lived in Thailand for a year, courtesy of the Air Force. And I remember the monsoon. I mean, it would start raining. And after a while, you'd think, well, we're just all going to wash away out into the ocean because it won't stop raining. It just rained ceaselessly. And while these boys were in this deep cave exploring it, the water kept rising inside that cave until it cut off their way of escape. A cave can be a trap. That's why I'm declaring today, come out. Come out, people of God. Come out of your hiding places. Come out of your cave. Come out and stand before the Lord so that you can see what He is doing instead of filling our heads and our eyes and our ears with what man is trying to do. Oh, friends, the one that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. When Jesus stood before the tomb of his friend Lazarus, his tomb was a cave as well. It had a stone rolled over it. And Jesus had the stone removed. And what did he do then? He cried out, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. And he came out of that grave. Friends, that same resurrection power that was in Jesus Christ is in us because we are the body of Christ. We are at his word well able to come out of caves of depression and despair and fear. Many, many people in cities like Minnesota and Atlanta, they're hiding in their homes right now. They're afraid for their lives. They're afraid their property is going to be destroyed and all the rest. We need to come out of our caves, not, not give it over, not give it over, not give it over to the enemy. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who by his great mercies has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There was another stone that was rolled away. There was another tomb that was emptied by the word of the Lord. That same resurrection power is at work in our lives. You know, everything on the church calendar is leading up 
to this momentous event, Pentecost. It was the purpose of Jesus coming, coming to us to show us what the Father is really like, to give us life more abundantly, to suffer and die and be resurrected from the grave. It was God's purpose and will for Jesus to appear to over 500 of his disciples in his resurrected body. For his disciples to obey his command to wait in that upper room for the right moment when the Holy Spirit would come and baptize them so that they could come forth out of that room in, in power into the world and be his witnesses. They came out of their hiding place. <laughs> you know why they were, John, uh, I think it's John 20 says that they were in the upper room for fear of the Jews. <laughs> They were, they were in hiding there because of the events that had recently happened concerning Jesus' death and burial because of the day in which it was. On that day, they were celebrating something. It was a Jewish feast day. They were celebrating God giving to Moses the five books of the Torah, the Pentateuch. That's what the streets were jammed with them. There was tension in the city because there always was in Jerusalem. Had all these Jews, but you also had a lot of Romans, centurions, if you will. You had a lot of soldiers, and there was this tension between them. Then there was a tension toward, toward the Christians, toward those who had survived somehow, and they knew they must be in hiding somewhere in the city. I mean, the last thing anybody would want to do in their own strength is, let's go have a party in the streets of Jerusalem. We'll have a Jesus celebration. That wasn't what was on their mind. But when the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit fell on them, they couldn't stay in that upper room. They came bursting out of that cave because they were no longer in the fear of the Jews. Now they were witnesses for Jesus. Friends, that's what church is about. It is to make us disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what a faithful church does. That's what New Life Church does. If God's calling you right now, calling you, you can hear his voice. He's saying, come out of your cave. Come out of there. Come into a church, a good, faithful church like New Life Church and become a disciple. Be equipped in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit to go into the streets, to go into the world, to go wherever God would lead you so that you may proclaim the good news. You know, this happens over and over. It's happening all over the world. The fastest growing church in the world is in China of all places. Do you know that in Wuhan, China, which is notorious now, that there are over 350,000 Christians there? They've got, so, they've, got, they've got an incredible church that is growing there. So much is happening. India is experiencing massive displacement because of the shutdown, the pandemic. People are traveling hundreds of miles on foot trying to get back to their villages. Oh, it is a field ripe unto harvest. Brazil is in the midst of revival. 40% of the population are believers in Jesus Christ. They're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Nigeria, the redeemed Christian church. What a powerful church. 
My goodness, they've planted 2,000 churches here in America. They have the largest church in Britain, 15,000 people in Britain planted by this church. And yet they are going through great persecution right now. They're locked down in individual. You know, it's not, I've been to Nigeria. They don't have freezers to store their meat in. No, every day you have to go out and get your food, but they're locked down. People are starving in their homes in Africa. We need to pray for the church. Indonesia, the world's largest Muslim nation, and the church is exploding there. 35% of Indonesians are born again, spirit-filled Christians. Here in North America, we've been blessed with many revivals in the last century. Azusa Street, Latter Rain, the Jesus people, the charismatic revivals all over the countryside. Friends, we above all people should be carriers of the fire, the presence and power of God. It's time to come out of our caves, out of our hiding places, not just for our sakes, but for those who are suffering. Here's a word, Isaiah 42, 22. But there is a people robbed and plundered. All of them are snared in holes and they are hidden in prison houses. They are for prey and no one delivers. For plunder and no one says restore. No one, this is not a time for God's people, for God's sons and daughters to be silent. It's time for the church to come forth and declare restore. So I end by declaring, I declare with New Life Church, restore. Restore our souls, O Lord God. Restore to us the joy of your salvation. Restore to us our health, not only in the midst of all this viral contagion, O Lord God, but restore the health of our communities. Restore the health of our land. Restore the health of our nation. Restore to us the years that the locusts have eaten. Restore to us everything that we've lost in this pandemic. Listen to Deuteronomy 33.3. God, your God, God, your God will restore everything you lost. There's a promise. He will have compassion on you and pick up the pieces from all the places where you were scattered. You know, there was a man named Job. <laughs> Got a whole book written about him. He suffered horrendous loss. Loss of his family, loss of his fortunes, loss of everything that he had. And yet in the end, God restored Job. He restored him. In fact, the word of the Lord, most people get stuck in the first 41 chapters. You ought to read chapter 42 of Job. The word of the Lord to Job was, I will restore to you double. Double. In the name of Jesus, I declare restoration over you and your family, over your fortunes, over the works of your hands, over everything with which you have had to do. 
restore, that there will be a double portion for you as you have been faithful to the Lord. When, when Job repented and prayed for his friends, see, that's what God wants to see. He says, go and learn this. I, deserve, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Mercy, mercy. It's not just about getting ours. It's about those we know praying for our friends. And Father, I thank you that you hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Restore. Amen.